This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about why the city is slashing matching funds for candidates, the new RoboCop patrolling downtown, and why Target might have been fibbing about theft leading to store closures. Joining me on this week's News Roundup are CityCast's Digital Strategy Director, Brian Vance, and our very own producer, Julia Fiaioni. It's Friday, December 22nd. I'm John Notariani, in for Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Brian, Julia, thanks for being here on the last News Roundup of the year. Yes, thanks, John. Thanks for having us. So good to be here. So in honor of the fact we are right at the end of the year, I wanted to take a minute and hear from you guys about your Portland uh, New Year's resolutions. Like, what are you going to be doing in 2024 in relation to the city? I can go first. I've been thinking about it. In 2024, I'm going to try and get out of St. John's a little bit more (laughs) than I have. I feel like I'm still kind of in pandemic mode where, like, love my neighborhood. I'm sure... Y'all have heard us talking about St. John's all the time on the show. But Y'all really need an endorsement deal with the St. John's <laughs> I know, I know, right? But like, yeah, I just want to spend some more time in like other places around the city. Mm. Lots of cool bars and restaurants out here, John. So plenty of excuses <laughs> to, to make your way out. Yeah, you're going to have to show to me the around. far east. I'm, I'm totally going to take you up on that, man. Yeah. What about you guys? Um, I am terrible at resolution. Like, I just don't do them. I was, I was telling <laughs> Julia before we started recording, like, I'm not even a New Year's Eve person. I'm like, I'll, yeah, it's just a day mm-hmm. to me. But I do think one thing that I want to do a bit more in 2024 is sort of related to, to what you're saying, John. I want to ride more public transit. And I know that sounds mm-hmm. really weird. But, mm-hmm. like, we're, we're a one-car household. I work from home. So, you know, I'm often without the car anyway. And that's kind of left me to, like, like you said, John, sticking to my neighborhood. For sure. And yeah, I mean, I, I took the took the Max train back from the doctor the other day and I was like, oh, yeah, this is actually really convenient mm-hmm. and kind of fun, even though it's a little bit dirty and weird and whatnot. <laughs> and I just, yeah, I just really want to take TriMet more because it really is one of the better transit systems in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so much more expensive everywhere else. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's a good one. Mine's also transportation based. I am setting the ambitious goal of getting myself a bike by the time summer rolls around. Yeah. I don't have a car. I'm already mm. all up in the public transportation world. But I would love to be a part of those Pedalpalooza events. They always look like yeah. so much fun. So mm-hmm. hopefully by summertime, I'll be able to join in on that. And uh, yeah, just see the city in a new way. Oh, I love that. Brian, I know that you're you're a big cyclist as well. So let's yeah. let's set the goal now. Let's all uh, ride our bikes to somewhere mid to late summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I'm totally on board with that. It's such a fun way to see the city. I mean, y'all had Earl Blumenauer on recently and, and he wasn't wrong in saying that like it's just a different way to to experience Portland. Like, totally. You're going a bit slower than a car, but faster than on foot, so you can cover more ground and it's it's just really cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, thanks so much, you guys. Uh, let's get into the news of the week. Uh, Brian, do you want to start us off? What have you been looking at? Yeah, so uh, my story is from Alex Zelensky at OPB. It's about the public campaign financing system in Portland and how um, it is out of money. <laughs> like, there's this interesting thing going on in Portland in that we are, and actually all of Oregon, like, we're flush with cash, but we're also broke as hell. Like, yeah. you know, you look, we're having a record kicker but also we can't fund our education system. And like, this is really playing mm -hmm. out at the Portland level too. Like we have all these recent bond measures and levies that have passed that are just flush with cash. But then you look at something like this, you know, public campaign financing system that is short $5.4 million just to make the, the minimum amount of matching funds for all the candidates. Oh and it, the big thing is it coincides with, we're drastically expanding our government. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. last election cycle, only seven people participated in this this program, which basically you have to pledge that you won't accept any individual donations to your campaign of over $350. And if you do that, the city will match the first $20 of every donation at a nine to one rate. So basically you can turn a $20 donation into 200 bucks. Mm -hmm. Only seven people participated in 2022. Over 40 people are already signed up for this. Yeah. Uh, for this election cycle. And it's early. There's going to be a lot it's more early. than that. There's going to yeah. be way more. <laughs> and because of the way that the, the new government works, because, you know, before it was at large elections, you were voting citywide, fewer positions, more money could be involved. Well, now the whole system is set up to encourage candidates who don't necessarily have a lot of financial backing and we don't have the money to support them. And it's just, yeah, it's infuriating. It is really frustrating. And this is something that I fear will like muddy the water more, like you pointed out, the sheer amount of people running already makes it difficult for possible viable candidates to stand out. But then you slap on a 60% reduction in funds, and that creates a whole other barrier for candidates with fewer resources to get their yeah. word out. And it really works against what I feel like the hopes of the city are right now. Yeah. The thing that like drives me crazy about this is that like the city knew this was coming, right? Like they, they, were, they, were, they were talking mm -hmm. about this back in like they June. They kept going to city council yeah. saying, "Hey, <laughs> you could know? you give us a little bit of money now because yeah. this is coming up?" Yeah, like, like like six months ago, there were these news stories of being like, "Well, we got this great new system, but like there's not enough money, so it's not like it's a surprise." And, and Brian, my understanding is that it is just because of this big surge in the size of the government, right? Like, this isn't going to be a perennial problem. Right. Like, theoretically, this wouldn't be a problem because, you know, one of the things that's happening with this new switch over to the government is all the positions are being elected in 2024. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, the way it'll work uh, is that some of the people will be elected to shorter terms so that we're only ever voting for six city councilors at a time instead of all 12. Oh, um, that's helpful to know. So, yeah. So, like, you know, part of this is it's like a, it's a one-time thing, but it's also like fundamentally, I, I have a real problem with the people who are on the current city council getting to decide how this works because yes. yeah. it's in their benefit to not, you know, make this really, really work. And we've seen mm. every step of the way, whether it's Renee Gonzalez wanting to gut the charter reform or Dan Ryan, you know, coming in the back door and trying to change it. They are doing everything in their power to sabotage the switch over to a new government. And it's it's like they're not even hiding it. It is so obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Julia, to what you were saying about uh, how this makes it more difficult for for certain candidates, the thing, the detail that really sort of crystallized this in my mind, in terms of uh, running for council, there's like a number of thresholds that you like can meet right. for like different types of funding from this program. Mm -hmm. um, 
and this story said that people who are counting on uh, $300,000 from this program at the current rate could get about $120,000. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, Gosh. imagine like planning a $300,000 campaign and then being like, actually, you're getting less than half. <laughs> you, got, you got less than half of that. And they did say that like that there could be more money that is getting pumped into this program, right? But we're not going right. to know until way later in the spring, right. which like, you know, I think that there's a lot of programs that like if they say we're going to we're going to figure it out in a couple months, will work. But not during an election year. <laughs> and not right. when it's funding that election, not when people are planning for a campaign mm-hmm. that is going to happen towards the end of the year. It's just like American politicians have this real knack for like pushing things to the last possible moment. Like we see this at the federal government all the time. Like we're always on the verge of a government shutdown. And it's just like such a terrible way to run any business, government, nonprofit. Like why they all think that this is the way to operate is mind boggling. Mm -hmm. Brian, did you have a sense of why the city is in this budget crunch right now? It's because we have this really weird system in Oregon. It's not just Portland. We pass a lot of legislation through ballot measures. And ballot measures are typically written with a very narrow scope of focus. Uh, You look at Measure 110. Measure 110 was to tackle drug convictions, drug addiction, things like that. And... We So we pass these measures that have this very narrow scope of focus, and then that means that the funding for it is earmarked only for that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the government can only use that money for that thing. So we see the Portland Clean Energy Fund, which is bringing in so much money, way more money than they ever expected. But because the way that law was written, because it was a ballot measure, that money can only be used for very specific things. And so it winds up that we have things like at the same time that that you know, clean energy fund, which is supposed to help with like climate resilience is literally swimming in hundreds of millions of dollars of excess cash. Renee Gonzalez is floating an $800 million bond measure to help keep the fire department running. We have the money. Like they could just get the money. (laughs) Like why do we need to pass a new tax for every single thing? And we're terrible at also like envisioning how much money we're going to bring in. I mean, that's what's going on with the kicker. Mm -hmm. The state economists really underestimated how much money we would bring in and how much money the government would have to work with for their Mm -hmm. budget. And so they have to send like $5 billion back to taxpayers because we're just terrible at at guessing this stuff. Mm. Julia, I see you just shaking your head. (laughs) Gosh, it well, hearing you talk about this, Brian, this reminds me a lot of the roadblocks that People ran into when they were looking to rebuild Jefferson High School right at the start. They were hoping to yeah. use oh, the college buildings yes. across the street. But because of zoning laws, they are only allowed yes. to use those buildings for certain things. And to add to that, hoping to build affordable housing downtown, you can only build up to a certain amount of stories right. high. I remember that developer. In certain areas because of these very specific limiting zoning laws. This feels like a perennial problem in our city government. We're a city of like rule followers and we love rules. We love to like (laughs) put rules on everything. Mm -hmm. But then we're like such sticklers to following the rules that even when like all common sense and all logic says like, no, you could actually do that. Even though it's not spelled out in the in the letter of the law, we're like our hands are tied. Like we we can't we do it. We tied anything. our own hands behind. We our did backs. it to ourselves. We did it <laughs> to ridiculous. ourselves. That's the most infuriating part. Like we are so full of people who really just want to do the right thing that we often don't stop mm-hmm. and think about the consequences of 
the measures we pass or, you know, the policies that city council, you know, hands down. And like, if people would just stop and think through the long term, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be in these messes. Oh, my gosh. All right, you guys, we are one story in, and I feel like we're already getting kind of hot under the collar. We're going to take a time out. <laughs> Let's take a break. Water break. <laughs> Drink a glass of water, and then come back and talk about more news of the week. All right, Julia, what story did you have your eye on this week? So my headline comes from Anthony Effinger from Willamette Week. He's looking into the new autonomous security robot patrolling the U.S. Bancorp Tower on the west side, better known as Big Pink. So I'll tell you a little bit about this robot. His name is Rob. Five foot four. Yeah. (laughs) 420 pounds. And shaped like like a dating profile for Rob the robot. Chonker. I'm really trying to sell him to you guys right now, but he's shaped like the top half of a rocket ship. That's my easiest way to describe it. (laughs) Okay. But Effinger reports that Rob has multiple cameras giving 360 degree visibility heat sensors to detect threats and a two-way intercom uh, system to connect passerby or perpetrators with human security teams. He also said that it can read hundreds of license plates in a minute and quote, can be programmed to keep an eye out for known baddies, according to what the company has said. That's terrifying. <laughs> but it's not the first of its kind in the Portland metro area. There are two other Effinger mentions, one in Gresham at a Legacy Health Hospital and another patrolling the Aloft Hotel at Cascade Station. And there are possibly more out there. But before I go any further, I want to hear both of your initial reactions to Rob. Rob the RoboCop. Yeah. That's, yeah, I, exactly. That's, that's where I was going. Uh, I, I saw RoboCop sensors? at a young and impressionable age, and I'm glad that we have finally made it to the future that uh, had been <laughs> promised to us. <laughs> it's a few decades late, but oh, it's man. here. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So from Effinger's article, uh, he had pointed out that he himself was poking around on Reddit trying to get a sense of what Portlanders were saying. So I did that as well. <laughs> yeah. And I want to read some of my favorite comments to you guys. Please, First please one being, good. quote, I'm a boring, even-tempered, law-abiding citizen, and I instantly want to vandalize and damage that thing upon seeing it, <laughs> which is so relatable. I feel exactly the same way. It's happened in other cities, by the way. Oh, there's, yeah. there's one of these in another city, and there's a photo going around of it. it. Someone pushed it into a fountain, and it's just like laying on its side in a fountain. <laughs> no doubt. So a few others being, quote, I want to put googly eyes on it. Followed by, I want to put a frilly dress on it. Followed by, I want to throw it in the river. So lots of extreme takes on Rob's fate. But one last thing I'll mention that Effinger also pointed out was that over the past year, Nightscope Inc., the California company that made Rob, has lost millions and its stock price has tanked tremendously, indicating that these robots are probably not going to be taking over anytime soon. Although <laughs> <They're doomed. laughs> the CEO of Nightscope believes otherwise, stating earlier just this year, quote, the robots are coming and we're growing and quote, the market for crime will never collapse. So that's where we're at with this one. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, he's not wrong there. Like. This, is such, this is such a dystopia. <laughs> I mean, all joking aside, like that it can read hundreds of license plates, that it can keep an eye out, quote unquote, for baddies. I mean, yeah. 
that sounds like uh, surveillance and facial recognition technology, yeah. oh, yeah. you know, which is like super, super screwed up. Um, uh-huh. You know, Portland does have a ban on the use of facial recognition technology in public places. But like mm-hmm. just the idea that we are creating these systems that are able to have this mobile mass surveillance is really, really scary yeah. to me. Yeah. You know, you combine that with like the fact that the city of Portland has been doing pilots on drone programs over the course of the last Yeah, why year. do the police need drones? Uh, I, I just like, <laughs> it is something that I think we should be really worried about and that we shouldn't be in favor of. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm curious, what do y'all think about like speed cameras and red light cameras though? Because mm. I'll admit... I am, I didn't always used to be this way, but I'm very pro Mm -hmm. speed cameras and red light cameras, if for no other reason than to catch the cop who just like runs a red light. (laughs) I mean, I'm literally sitting next to a a PPB supervisor at 82nd Division last night and the sign says no turn on red and he just turns on red. You know, like, wouldn't it be great if we could give him a ticket or the Mm -hmm. UPS driver that I saw that just like floored it through a red light again Mm -hmm. around 82nd Division? very fatal area for traffic collisions. I mean, when it comes to that, because there is such a narrow focus as to why that camera is there, why that system exists to address a certain issue, I don't feel as uncomfortable with it rather than Rob is just out wheeling around 360 degree camera angles, catching you doing whatever. Checking your body temperature. Yeah, like seeing if if you have a fever, I guess. But Mm -hmm. I am also the type of person that I don't have a super strong social media presence. I like sometimes will choose not to watch Black Mirror late at night because it makes (laughs) me feel paranoid. And this is something, anytime I see these types of things, it's immediately... Um, upsetting and concerning. So I'm a bit on the extreme end of being more precious about that stuff. There was uh, a new story of like either a very similar or the same robot being deployed in Times Square in New York. Um, and an article that I was reading about it was talking about this group called Surveillance Technology Oversight Project, or STOP as their acronym. And their whole premise is that like a lot of these types of mass surveillance have a disproportionate impact on like uh, Muslim Americans, immigrants, the LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus community, you mm-hmm. know, especially like anti-black policing. So to your your question, Brian, like I don't have a problem with this sort of technology in theory, but like the way that it is used just has a yeah. real tendency to be super discriminatory in terms of who those cameras are being pointed at. It's also like when we let big tech make the rules and, and create all this stuff, like it's not in your best interest. We've seen this with social media. We've seen this with with name anything that big tech's been involved in right now. Yeah. It's, you know, medium sized tech, but with the goals of being big tech driving this, it's not your city council. It's not even your like state police force. It's some California tech startup that wants to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Julia, I'm I'm sorry to uh, fact check you, but I think you did leave out one of the more important points, which is whether or not it can be thrown in the river. <laughs> Pretty damn heavy. I would love to see someone try. 420 pounds. I've heard from other Redditors I was reading on that the best thing would be to get really angry, somehow get it on its side and start rolling it down to the river. It's the best way. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of round. You know what it actually reminds me of? I'm not a big Doctor Who fan, but I've seen enough episodes to know the Daleks. It looks sort of oh, like yep. a nicer, friendlier version. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, if you know what a Dalek is, like 
that should still terrify you. Like mm. you should be like, no, I'm good. I, I don't want this thing around me. Yeah. Well, uh, lucky for you, Julia, I did some research. Uh, oh, no. So. <laughs> Tell me what you know, John. <laughs> so, according to the internet, the average, uh, you know, beginner deadlifter, which I think would be <laughs> oh the, the the movement to, like, get this thing up and, like, into oh, the yeah, river. Oh, yeah, you gotta lift. You gotta lift with your legs there, uh-huh. you know. 168 pounds for men and 88 pounds for women is like mm-hmm. the average beginner like deadlift threshold, you know. Oh. I mean, and no judgment on the three of us, but like I don't think that any of us are like star power lifters. Can so I tell start... you something, John? I What's actually that? deadlift 162. Fuck yeah. Okay. So <laughs> we can do it. The three of us. We're good. We can do this. Not to but, show like, off even or at that beginner threshold, you know what that you know what that comes out to? 424 pounds. So yeah. if if if, if our buddy it. the robot is 420, we're good. We, we can get that sucker in the river. No problem. It's you know, it's an experiment. Oh yeah, and we have it's our science. New Year's resolution now is to there get that go. thing down to the river. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for walking us through that, Julia. Um, well, the story that I had my eye on uh, is actually from CNBC. Uh, Gabriel Von Rouge is the reporter who put this one together. Uh, and it is all about our dear departed Target locations. Y'all might remember back in September, Target said that they were shutting down nine locations across the country, uh, including three in Portland, the Portland Galleria, as well as the Powell and Hollywood stores. But they said explicitly that shoplifting and organized retail crime was the reason that they were closing down these stores. Uh, Here's a quote from Target. In this case, we cannot continue operating these stores because theft and organized retail crime are threatening the safety of our team and guests and contributing to unsustainable business performance. Well, mm-hmm. at the time, we were all sort of like, that sounds fishy. Yeah, a little little too neat. <laughs> well, this week, CNBC did an investigation, found that like crime is worse at other locations that were kept mm-hmm. open near those stores. Um, and, and it sort of broke it down city by city, including here in Portland. The Portland Galleria, over a two-year period, had 73 incidents. The Hollywood store had 175 incidents, which is nothing to sniff at. Yeah. But the target by the airport had 318 incidents. And the mm-hmm. one like right off of 205 had 718 that one. incidents. Let me tell you about that <laughs> of one. Crime. Holy you know, cow. So so like not to say that there is no problem with retail theft in America, but the idea that these stores are closing down because of that, like clearly total bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it I mean it, it makes sense that as a business, you're not going to come out and say, like, we made a bad business decision. Mm-hmm. But that's really what it was. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of these were very small footprint Target stores that didn't offer the things that everyone normally goes to Target for. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you do have less of a threshold to survive shrinkage, you know, like retail theft, uh, things just breaking, going bad. But, like, that's not the reason you close those stores. You close those stores because... They were losing money because they were a terrible business decision. Mm-hmm. The idea did not work. Yeah. And so to blame it, to capitalize on like this fear of crime that, by the way, is overblown because if you actually look at historical crime statistics, we're like still way below like highs in the 80s and 90s. I just I, I don't like it when people co-opt 
stories to paint a negative narrative. It's like classic misinformation. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I will say it's not just a Portland problem. Like this article pointed out the same thing happened in New York and Seattle yeah. and San Francisco and like a bunch of other cities. Yeah, I will say I do wonder how much the amount of security they had at these small format city locations played into those total numbers of incidences because I know personally I I live near what was the Hollywood location and it was decked out with security cameras there was a huge security yeah. car parked out front the <laughs> shelves were locked and there were security personnel and it was certainly uncomfortable to be around. I remember one of the last times I was in there, I had to ask somebody to unlock a case to buy a $2 tube of toothpaste. So, nice. Julia, yeah. did you see any robots when you were there? <laughs> <laughs> was Rob patrolling? I want to say that was next. I mean, I saw these security measures be put in probably about a year and a half ago. So... I'm not disclosing that I've ever stolen anything from Target, but uh, I have given myself a two-for-one deal in the self-checkout line on certain <laughs> items. And I will say it's never in those small format city locations. It's always in those huge suburb stores. So just a note yeah. for you, Target. <laughs> Julia, are you, are you the cause of rampant retail theft in Portland? <laughs> Julia's why we can't have nice things. Let's not uh, focus on this, okay? Candy bar, <laughs> but, but if, uh... If we had a cashier checking Julia out, that would have been I a wouldn't dare. To do. I wouldn't dare. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. On a more serious note, and I know, um, John, you pointed this out, that this is not just a Portland issue. But mm -hmm. I do really despise how these types of corporate political stunts are like, especially impactful right now because it fuels yeah. this Portland is burning fire with a bunch of half-truths. Mm -hmm. And it's just unproductive and really unfair to the businesses surrounding those areas and the residents in those areas who are working really hard to bring life into the city and take care yeah. of one another. It's just this broad sweeping stroke of lack of safety and crime in a way that isn't even true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this is the same thing that we saw happen with Walmart and REI and right. Starbucks and exactly. Nike over the course mm -hmm. of the last year. Yeah, uh, you Nike, know, an Oregon-born business, is playing into this <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, now that those Target locations have closed, um, what should we put there? What do you guys think? Oh, oh, so the one on POW was a bowling, bowling alley. I was going to say, I, I just bring the bowling alley back. Yeah, about the bowling bring it alley. back. We don't have just enough. Just a bowling alley. Just like right. We've classic. got like two in Portland yeah. now. Just, I don't know. Like, should be easy to do. Yeah. It's it's not that hard. So that one definitely bowling alley. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot about how, like, you know, back in like the 1970s and 80s, we had all these empty industrial spaces that then turned into lofts and like spaces for yeah. artists and like big Can box stores if... are the like empty industrial space of the 2020s. They are. Mm. You know, I, I love the idea of in like five years, like every X Target and Best Buy is just like some sort of crazy uh, like art commune. <laughs> like just imagine if that Walmart was an art commune. <laughs> where, where they like have like shows and like half pipes and like <laughs> just like wild Amazing. stuff going on. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, well, guys, thanks for breaking down the news of the week with me. And thank you for breaking down the news all year long. Um, it's been really fun having you guys on the show and sort of chewing the fat on everything that's been going on. So thanks a lot. Thanks, John. It's, it's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks. See you guys in the new year. See you next year. Bye. 
Well, that's all for us this week here on CityCast Portland, but thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend about it or leave us a rating or a review? Our producers this week were Julia Fiaioni, Dylan Brogan, and Lizzie Goldsmith. Our newsletter editor is Rachel Monahan, and our host is Claudia Meza. I'm executive producer John Natariani. Original music by Jenny Conley and Stephen Drisos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound and All the Kimonos. We're taking Monday off for the holiday, but we'll be back on Tuesday morning with a lot more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs>